What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular attenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor of New Hill Church. I am Gary Fox, assistant pastor at New Hill Church. And Mark Sherry, one of the members. And we've got a special guest with us here today. Brother, what's your name? Ben Hayes, Awesome, Ben. Good to have you. Um, very good to have you. Good to have a uh, guest from... Um, from the church coming in, yeah. We usually have uh, a few different guys now. We're starting to, to rotate some in and out, and um, every Tuesday, if you want to be a special guest here one day, you can just let us know. Yeah. Uh, this is not the He-Man Woman Hater Club. Uh, <laughs> what is it called from the Little Rascals? Yeah, He-Man, He-Man Woman. Woman Hater Club. Oh, okay, I got it. You got it. Yeah. Whoa! All right. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode. <laughs> That should almost just in there. Wow. I usually like ruin references. And now I'm ruining it now because like, I feel like I'm really cool because I got it right. So. You're one for one, man. That's 100%. I laughed at my joke uh, actually two weeks in a row uh, from the pulpit. Um, not this past Sunday, but the two Sundays before that. Um, and Aubrey, I think, quit listening to the sermon because she missed it. And she's like, you're laughing at yourself. I'm not listening anymore. <laughs> That'll be the next show to get canceled, though, I think. New Hill exactly. Talks? Well, no, yeah, for sure. I'm surprised we're still on. What, Little Rascals? <laughs> yeah, because of Buckwheat. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> to- tokenism, basically. Oh, dude. Yeah. You go back and watch the old Little Rascals, and it was pretty, you know, yeah, pretty much a caricature. Silly one. Harmless one, in my opinion, but you watch. I'm glad they got rid of Pepe Le Pew, yeah. the skunk. Speedy Gonzalez. Or, yeah, Speedy Gonzalez. But Pepe Le Pew, he was just one of those wily characters. And, of course, you're obviously condoning... You know, being predatorial in nature, dude. So, in that, like, what's what's interesting about all of this is like there are some things that like just need to go. So, I'll say this, like, especially coming off last week, like we're not condoning shows like uh, Cuties, right? We don't think that that should go on. It's like, but it doesn't mean that we're okay with all of the things that have gone on in the past. Someone posted uh, the video of Pepe Le Pew, and I was like, I should watch this because a lot of it kind of irritates me. If I'm just being honest, and maybe part of it's like my childhood, maybe part of it's because they're they're reaching but yeah that one i was like man i don't like i don't even remember these these episodes yeah there's definitely some con- condoning of uh behavior there well the di- the difference as long as you're is, not trolling me because i actually agree on pepe, pepe Le Pew. yeah i was trolling i mean the, the difference with pepe you're Le Pew, trolling yeah, the, the difference is he is portrayed as a evil character and the kids know that now if they were glorifying him as a positive you know, role model, right. then sure. No. But everybody knows. Get, get Peppy Le Pew, get and, Pepe Le Pew his, out of here. If his character could have been like the mayor of New York City, then <laughs> no, get, celebrated. Wait, get why, get why Pepe are, Le Pew out of here. Why, why, why aren't French people up in arms because Pepe Le Pew oh, is characterizing dang. them? Yeah. I have an idea why they're not, you know, nobody's saying anything or why they're not being canceled for that reason, but I'll keep that to myself. I'm cool with Pepe Le Pew being gone. And I know that we can agree to disagree on that one. I'm totally, I did not, I don't pick up on your sense of trolling. Gary will have like a little, little tone and i like, no, he's kidding. Because most people do that with sarcasm. I actually, I was, I was cool with that one. But I'll say this, as I was saying um, in that statement a second ago, it was like, I, there's so much reach um, for sure. Um, but yeah. Anyway, maybe it's like me, like <laughs> with two daughters. I'm like, so help me if any boys <laughs> watch Pepe Le Pew and try this stuff. All right, into what we're here for today. Um, we had enough controversy last week with our um, episode. Nothing bad, by the way. I haven't heard any feedback, but um, I mean, it's well, controversy. There's, lo- there's lots of listeners. So wait let's till wait. people listen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
we'll probably hear about last week's edition in like two, six years three, from now. Yeah. And then, and <laughs> and we'll then have canceled other. for it. Uh, yeah. We'll get canceled for it. There'll be other bigger fish to fry by that point. We're like, we don't even care about that act. We haven't been meeting as a church since this president took over. Well, we could, we could uh, uh, be like, what's his name from the sermon he preached in 03 and come out and uh, Max Licato. Oh, Max Licato, yeah. Yeah. We we ain't apologizing. We wouldn't have said it if we were sorry. Another one hits the dust. So before we do get into this, is there a sense of like we can talk about the past and, and say like certain characters were, were wrong or maybe in, in their time? Like we're, we're not the creators, right? So there's like a certain point where it's like we don't have to apologize. Like my mom goes and says something on Facebook. I'm not going to apologize. Like maybe for her, I'll be like, yo, sorry, like for her, but like. I'm not sorry. I didn't right. say it. So, but is there like a certain point where maybe it's it's good to address some of the things of the past? I mean, like even when we talk about slavery, it's like the four of us sitting here haven't owned any person in our life. Hopefully, no. somebody wants to come and confess today. Um, but a sense of acknowledgement of like some maybe wrongs, even the things that we grew up maybe Here, watching. Here's my thing, though. When I listen to all these discussions, it's like. It's almost like who has not confessed this is, was a sin, or who, or not confessed, or who has not acknowledged. I've not. Yeah. It's like why are we still talking about this? What do you want me to do? Like, is your, are you asking me? Was that a sin? Yes, it was a sin. Should they? Have are done you speaking it? particularly no. to slavery? Or these slavery things? or women's? Uh, if there was something yeah. that went wrong, so it's like what I cannot atone, and my generation cannot atone for the sins of the past. Right. And nor should we even, that shouldn't even be, why are we talking about And this? I don't think that you should blanket it either, because like, so the, the problem is... Because I listen to big evangelicals though, like these big famous ones, like they talk like, like we're not acknowledging something. Right. Like guys, yeah. it's time, con- still it's 2021, it is time yeah. for us to acknowledge, we've been acknowledging this since probably 1971. Like, what are we, like, what, who oh, is not acknowledging yeah. it? But Especially the, for us, you know. It's like there's this implied... Like it's you're not acknowledging it enough, Mark. You need to. It's like <laughs> yeah, you need to be up in arms. But yeah, I mean, we particularly the, the Southern Baptists. You know, we understand what it's like to be on the wrong side. Look, we've definitely acknowledged like where we went wrong. I don't, and that's the thing too, Gary. I don't know what uh, what folks want. Maybe you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I think you all need to speak up more. Please just write into us and let us know like how or where we should speak in more, and we'll let you know if we agree or don't. But like. Um, the, the, the idea that we're um, a people group maybe isn't speaking to something, uh, just blanketing that is, is wrong. Just because you don't get up in arms about everything. Like with Cat in the Hat, like, uh, or all of Dr. Seuss's materials, like, let's Six get rid of, of all of it. So there was a, um, a cartoon he did for a paper or um, some kind of magazine. Like, yeah, that one was like totally out of line. But like, so like we can acknowledge, so Aubrey even knew this. Aubrey knew from years ago, there was a book published about Dr. Seuss and it said he had some tendencies, right? Like some of these mm. racist tendencies. But she said um, it just made you aware of like some books and like how to teach your children out of that or like explain things like how like maybe you view it differently. But but the whole idea, even I'm going to give another example, Ravi Zacharias. With, with everything that's come out about him, does that mean that all of his books are a wash? Let me throw that out to you guys. Now, I would say that um, if he were still around – Anything that comes out of his mouth until he repents is yeah. a wash. Yeah. But like the idea that there's not some good truth that can still be taught or learned from that, 
No, yeah. so that's me. So I'll open that up to you guys. I, I, I personally, and, and I can be corrected on this, I'm open to the idea of his literature still being widespread because I, I know this might be reaching, but you look at King Solomon, who penned quite a bit of the scripture, and he had a very troubled and colored past and, and present at the time. And, and it doesn't mean we can't learn from him, but in reality, when you look back 40, 50 years, everybody had different views other than our modern sensibility. So you'd have to really cancel everybody you know, from the past. I, I take the approach of, I think we can still learn. Um, I think you need to be extra cautious what you're learning from that person. But, that, that's but my you take. should be that way with, like with if everything. Gary went yeah. and wrote a book, like I right. think like if it went across the nations, like read it with discernment. Right. Like John Piper stuff, still read it with discernment. Sure. When we start to think that these guys are inerrant or like infallible, even like, man, it's so unwise. Like it's an unwise place for us to be at. Um, so I think that would be my only thing. And with with this whole culture thing is is even without canceling, just use discernment and teach your children. You need to be teaching your children. Like I look, my parents never had Dr. Seuss teaching me. Like I might have read the books, but like he wasn't teaching me my worldview. Like no, and the, yeah. I think yeah. it's an, him as just in particular. I think it's a major exaggeration. Like I don't. Doctor Seuss is fine. Read and, it all you want. Like, and the criticism from one of the books was because they were, used the word Eskimo. Are you serious? Yes, that is the criticism from one of the books. I mean, just it's, it's, it's you have you have to try to identify what the issues are in most of the books. Did you, you see the magazine really one I was talking about? No, I did not. No. All right, so that talked about it portrayed. Um, African American people as uh, a wood burning pile. Mm, it, yeah. it was it was bad. Yeah, but yeah. like you you I'm with you there. and not but like but right. I'm saying right. but um, a lot of his other works were different. Yeah, and oh, like yeah. and yeah. clearly not um, lead, misleading in any way of like how you treat or portray another person. When it comes to Ravi Zacharias, I would I don't believe in book burning or anything like that. But with him, but with him, no, <laughs> no. But I would, I would not publish. Like I would not publish any of his works any longer. In other words, I would not make money off of him. Yeah. <clears throat> Anything he's done, although in a scholarly, and there's been some questions as far as his his credentials. Anyway, that's a different issue. But like, if you're doing scholarly work, or if you're going to re reference something for apologetics work, I wouldn't have a problem per se of somebody mentioning uh something he wrote i i would have a problem with a publisher republishing his books uh in the future i i think because and the big difference between it, it's not like he had a moral failure the guy was raping yeah he was um, he was living that lifestyle I, it, it, and, and raping though yeah. it's not yeah. like this is all consensual i mean it was really bad what he was doing it would be like you, you know i so I, I just think that uh, I'm not totally against cancel canceling stuff. Depends on why you're canceling it. Somebody like that, I would I would have a major problem profiting off of his work or his name any longer. Now everything that's already published and printed and out there, leave it there. Leave it there and 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 use it if needed. You know if it, if it's helpful. But I wouldn't I wouldn't. I I wouldn't. I don't think it's, it'd be all right just to start continue publishing his stuff. I think you make some good points there. If you, sorry. If, no, you, if you go ahead and erase everything that you don't like, that's just going to be what one or two generational gap before those same things start to mm -hmm. occur again because it's not there to learn from. Right. Right. That's a that's a big mistake too. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, um, yeah, I I'd be curious to see just in the next five years like where this this stuff goes because 
I'll, I'll say this. I, I know there's plenty of people um, on my Facebook feed that are saying to cancel these things with good intentions. It's not just like, um, you know, it talks about boys being boys and girls are girls. Like it, right. it talks about like some issues that they see is problem see as problematic to a people group um and they're trying to be a voice for that people so it's not out of not everyone's doing it out of the intention of just cancel anything conservative and so there's there's a difference between canceling and boycotting if you want to boycott something that's fine but what they're doing is they're pressuring to actually cancel to ruin a business to ruin you know i just watched yeah, it's like saying i don't want it but i don't want you to want it either yeah I'm i just prevent you i just want you so yes. that would be the difference yes. in, in people who've boycotted like Target and Starbucks in the past, con- right. particularly conservatives. Um, Southern Baptist boycotted hey, don't, don't Disney get on the, for 20 years. Don't get on to me, though. I will, I will go to Target, even if they make me get a chip. I swear I will. So <laughs> <laughs> Gary's face right now. And Jeremy Newman. I love it. I Jeremy take, Newman. My wife goes to Target this. all the time. I get mad. I, I take my oh, dog there, and when they say you can't have an animal, I said she identifies as human, so there's nothing <laughs> I can really oh, say. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> How great. Come on in. So we're here today to continue um, in our uh, discussing of the New City Catechism. We're coming to a close. We've got two more weeks of um, part one. Um, then we may take a short break and uh, reevaluate some maybe um, some issues, some cultural issues, some pressing issues um, that need addressed. But um, until then, we're just going to finish out part one and then maybe go into part two. Or if you all have questions, you know where to send them, and we would be more than happy to take an episode, two or three, uh, maybe an even a whole series to talk about uh, some of your questions. But we're picking up here in part one, question 17, with the question, what is idolatry? If one of you all wants to read that, that'd be phenomenal. Idolatry is trusting in created things rather than the creator for our hope and happiness, significance and security. Boom. I'll open up with a, a pretty basic question about this um, this question and answer. Why is it important to understand what idolatry is and what it isn't? Because, well, I mean, the chief end of man is to know God and glorify him. And so anything that's going to get in the way of you, your worship of God needs to be identified. And the Bible gives a word for it. It's, it calls it idolatry. So you need to understand the concept that like it's not okay to elevate created things to godlike status um, because only God is worthy of our affection in that way. Mm-hmm. Mark, would you add anything? I, th- I think that's spot on. And also I think once we get into the different forms of idolatry, I don't think most of us in the church are aware that the behaviors we're participating in are actually truly idolatry. There are some scriptures that give a sharp definition of things that we commonly do. And yeah. you just you just wouldn't you wouldn't think when you see someone who's greedy that they're idolaters. It doesn't I don't think that's natural to most professing Christians, but that's one of the implications or one of the descriptions that the Bible gives about idolatry, along with others. Yeah. Ben, would you have anything? Not really. Right. Yeah, solid. Yeah, I just want to give room. You know, we got four guys. Uh, we've been told to to get like a, a talking ball. Like we should throw yeah. a talking ball. Um, but I'll just make sure I'm giving room for everybody. Yeah, I think it's it's crucially important to to begin to understand this because it's definitely it's not something where you're just like placing it on a pedestal. It's it's placing it before your God. Um, your Maybe not bowing down and worshiping. So, like R.C. Sproul talks about this, and, and I talk about it a lot from his book, um, "Are We Together?" It's his 
um, analysis of the Roman Catholic Church. And he says when you're dealing with a Catholic, don't go up and just say, hey, you idolize or worship Mary. Right. They don't know that. Yeah. Like, just like you listening right now maybe don't know that you're idolizing something in your life. And we, to some extent, we all are. Because, like, what you're saying is if you deal with greed, like, yeah. that greed even goes to a deeper root of idolatry, yes. really. Like, you're greedy because you're idolizing something. Mm-hmm. What do people typically idolize when they're greedy? A lot of times money. money. Yeah. yeah, so you're so idolizing the stuff, the money, and the, the status. Stuff. So, and that's a thing, too. A lot of times we think of idolatry being held to, like, a person, um, but we idolize things and objects a lot as well. I mean, what are some things you see here in Northeast Ohio? So, like, particularly to our people, what are things that are ido- uh, idolized? Well, if you limit to the church, I- I'm not sure if it's fair to say this, but I was going to say sex in this culture is so yeah. largely idolatry i mean it's everywhere and like i've heard vody balkum say that on a scale of one to ten daily christians see between two and three levels of pornography per day whether it's on a billboard or an ad instagram instagram i mean you you name it just people posting stuff of themselves of others uh sex is one of our culture's biggest idols yeah and And it sells yeah like that's the reason it probably is the biggest idol i think if you really think about it like, Sex you, and money. Yeah. yeah. I think people would rather, especially men probably would rather have like, you know, like yeah. in this hypothetical, yeah. like you can have sex with any woman you want every single day or you right. can have riches. Yeah. I think most men would pick, well, I could pick any woman every day. Right. Yeah. A new one. Probably right. Whichever one I want or and be poor or whatever. Do you think if you did a poll that men would choose sex over money? I think so. I think I think I think, right. I think the motivation for men, all and this is it's not funny. It's but he would say it funny. Rush Limbaugh would talk about the desire for money and for power in men. It's all about the chicks. Yeah, he would say it's all about the chicks, and it's been that way for ten thousand years, trying to impress the chicks. Right. Um, literally, the the drive for power and dominance over other men and all of this. I stuff. think that's what would be curious. I would be curious about with that poll is, with money. I think you get both. That's what that's I was going to say. Is that's, that's what. That's why. So that's why I think. Money. I think. But the hypothetical, it's like you one or the other. So you're all right. But one leads so, to the other. Yeah. So, but not in my hypothetical. So, <laughs> in, in your hypothetical, are you saying you can either choose to have unlimited money for the rest of your life and no sex, or, or sex women. and you struggle for money? Yeah. Unlimited. Yeah. Those are your choices. Unlimited women. Unlimited money. You can't have both. You can live lavishly with no ladies, or you can live in poverty with all the ladies you want. Right. I think. I think it's going to be pretty harshly affected by the age of the people that you... True. Yeah. Very yeah. true. 16-year-olds. The problem, the problem with hypotheticals is like you can't separate things like that. So it's like in my head, I'm thinking if you've got money, you've got whatever you want. Yeah. Like worldly speaking. Right. So, yeah. Interesting. No, very interesting. And idolatry, when we talk about idolatry, we need to talk about what idolatry is not. Because a lot of times, especially mm-hmm. within the Christian realm, like within the church setting in the context of the church... We start to assert our own opinions um, as to what is idolatry. Like so, um, to someone who speaks to the realm of politics a lot, you would say they're idolizing politics, but they're not. They're actually following through with scripture. Um, to uh, someone who speaks on, um, I'll even go to some of our brothers and sisters who speak on, speak a little bit loudly into social justice. We might even be quick to throw them into um, idolizing um, this fake. Uh, movement or yeah. fake ideology, uh, but I would say that there are a lot of guys. I mean, and, we've, and we've talked about them like 
and those issues outside of the podcast, like before and after we record. But there are genuine people who are speaking up to those issues that I think we classify as a part of that movement mm -hmm. because we've been so discouraged by the right. movement. Um, so learning to not assert um, mm. what the Bible is not saying. Like we right. can't insert our own opinion as to, well, that's idolatry. When really the root of it, and I'll give you an example. Um, I met with a local um, leader from a, a church here in town, and he told me that um, he, he can see that I idolize God's word, and it's a problem. And I was like, <laughs> it may seem like I idolize God's word because you don't care about it, but I said, God's word tells us everything that we need to know about him and salvation and about like living. And I was like, so when I approach you to tell you, like, I think you need to change this or that, don't think it's because I like love God's word or like, I, I think the word is like my God, like it's my God's word. Yeah. So like, I do love it. I do worship because of it, from it and through it. Like, what? What an accusation. I'd love to be accused of that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's why I turn ever. it. Yeah. You flip it and say, you idolize not loving God's yeah. word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I'm, again, like people start to even put in an opinion like that, like where it's like, because I love the God, the God's word, and I say that it's an errant, you're going to say mm -hmm. like, it's my God. And it's like, it's not, but it's, it's, it's his word. No, it's yeah. his revelation. And David would be yeah. accused of the same thing. Though, like you can't, I love, you I can't love every Orthodox Christian. <laughs> yeah. And they should be. Like, you can't. Um, you can't remove the idols or identify, and then remove the idols out of your life without the Bible. Yeah, because you don't know what you're doing. Right. The Bible tells you what to do and identifies these. That's a silly thing to say. I mean, I guess theoretically it's possible to like love the Bible and not love God in some sense, but that is that would. There would be certain criteria, I think, that you would have to, like, I don't know how that would look. It would have to be distinguished, where yeah. basically you're taking the abstract, and you're saying you don't love the God of the Bible, but you love the Bible more than the God of the Bible, which isn't realistic, because God's Word is right, it's the living. way He reveals Himself to right. us. and yeah, It's living and active. Like, you'd have to be worshiping the actual book and not the message. Right. There you right. go. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way yeah, to put for it. Sure. Um, yeah, treating the book, that's probably... A good way of putting it: treating the book like like uh, like a uh, like um, an ob the object itself has mm. power. Right. So if you take it and you like touch something with it, or like you know what I mean, like oh, you're treating God. the actual object. That's probably the way to throw it at Mark. Be healed, brother. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, sword. So to this definition again, I'm just gonna read it. Idolatry is trusting in created things rather than the Creator, and then it gives the reasons for like or what we're trusting in it for. For our hope and happiness, significance and security. With those things in mind, hope and happiness, significance and security, what are some things here particularly in Ohio? So like not just generalizing, but like even some things that um, maybe would be eye-opening to us. Um, maybe not just for our life, but like when we engage with our neighbors. What are some things that we see in Northeast Ohio? Prevalent people, idols. Yeah, prevalent idols. Um, that people are looking to for their hope and happiness, significance. There's a lot. I mean, po politics. Is politics a big has one. become yeah. one big one time. way or the other. I was. We were just talking about that Friday night, where people thought a lot of them thought oh, Donald yeah. Trump was going to be the savior. Half of them thought he was the savior. Half thought he was the antichrist. All of them, it seems like, just about were attributing way too much to the it, to the man. Right. Um, but th th that's a huge one. Obviously, sex. I think things like status, mm -hmm. degrees. Um, how, you know, where, the neighborhood you live in, um, 
that kind of stuff uh, we we long for that if sports. we can just get there. Sports mm. can be for some people. Let for me tell sure, you, coming from West Virginia, it's an idol up here, mm. like straight up. Um, I've fallen into like I cannot wait for fall, like, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, what am I doing between January when we get knocked out of the playoffs and like August when it picks back up? Like, is that like my my life like hinges on that? Um, so like, but you become like a part of the culture. So then it makes you like realize like there's a cultural thing up here where like it can become everything to you. Yeah. And now, don't get me wrong, like God gave us, I think, these things like sports and just different interests. And, and we hobbies. can raise our kids into that. Yeah. Where like they're like, and you have no idea. Skipping it's church, like praying skipping to Mary. This, skip, yeah. you, no, you no don't family know. devotions because every and I'm I'm yeah I see it myself trying to figure out how to. You know, Calvin's real athletic. I think Christian's going to be athletic. Um, you know, you want to encourage that. There's so many positives in it, right? Um, lots of gospel principles that you can pull out of sports um, and, and so forth. But it can become an idol, definitely, for sure. I think um, even stuff like physical fitness can become definitely yep. become an idol, uh, where you become obsessed with uh, with a look and or and or um, uh, a a certain um, achievement. If it, so, you're going to run a mile this fast or bench press this much. Mm-hmm. You could become... Mark Driscoll, years ago, I heard him say that an idol, most of the time, is a good thing that you elevate to a God thing. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, That's good. It, you're becoming now feeling like if I don't have this, I'm, I need... This thing is going to save me. I'm not mm-hmm. okay. And I need this, this person or this achievement or this money... And if I have this now, I have, now I'm saved. Now I'm okay. Now I'm you know I'm not uh, now I'm worthy. Now that's, I'm you know all that. That's good to and maybe to build on that too. Uh, what are some good and godly things that become idols? I'll start out with one. Maybe let you all think, or maybe this came to your mind. Marriage, mm. man. Because like all right, going off kids. this definition, uh, things uh, idolatry is trusting in created things rather than the Creator for our hope and happiness, significance and security. And I see that a lot of times with singles. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's a good thing to long for, not for your happiness, but part of holiness. Uh, but when you look to it for your happiness and hope, um, you, even if you find marriage, even if you get into that covenant, you're going to be sadly disappointed because it is a war. Like you're <laughs> you're signing up for a a lifetime of war. Yeah. Um, because I, I truly believe that like um, there's this spiritual war within a marriage. Um, I won't say that Satan himself is attacking you. Behind me, Satan. Yeah, get get behind me, Satan. Do not say that to your Satan. I said that there one time. She didn't think it was funny as I did. (laughs) Which perpetuated the cycle, of course. No, it's... We we need to make distinct... We need to distinguish between a God thing and a means of grace. Mm -hmm. So marriage is a means of grace. And so when you look at it that way, that this is something good that God has given us that we should long for, but it is not an end of itself. God is the end. Mm-hmm. Knowing him, that's the that's chief right. end. This is not the same thing with having kids. Naomi and I, um, we went seven years before we had kids, and every single day of those seven years, it was a hardship. We wanted kids. Now I'm starting to second-guess that. No, I'm kidding. But... Um, <laughs> It's a means of grace. It's an extension of God's grace to you to say, I love you and I want to bless you and I want to make, and that includes making you holy. 
Mm-hmm. I tell young guys before they get married, it's like, I guarantee you think you're a good guy. Right. You think you're a pretty good guy, and then you get married, and now all of a sudden you start finding out, apparently I'm not as good of a guy as I thought. Right. Because um, she'll let you know. Um, but it's a all of those things are means of grace. But when you look at a means of grace as the end and of itself, now you've got an idol. And under the That's marriage good. thing, I would say I think this is become becoming less prevalent in our culture, but particularly within the church, there's this fantasy movie idea that you were made for yes. one person. Like that's why God made Your you, soul made. so that you can you can have the, right. It's you are incomplete without this, and if and a lot of people hold that, oh, especially yeah. right before marriage, and then they they get married, they're like, whoa, and they're I like, the wrong whoa, person. I, yeah, right. Not only I married the wrong person, but their 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 hope is shattered, and now they have to either continue in that or fall back on God, or they continue with that thinking. And then they meet John in the office or at yes. the gym yep. or Sally. And he's everything and Wait a minute. I were the wrong person. This right. is the one I was supposed yep. to be with. Yep. This, this She laughs at all my jokes. Mm-hmm. Or he he understands. And and you have this this idol, this mis, this false doctrine is what it is, of like the, it's pagan mm. where you've got this soulmate that's out there. And I messed up. I was at a bad place in my life. I was... I rushed into this thing and I, I totally messed this up, but now I've met this person who is that one. Yeah. And I'm going to divorce this one to go with who, who really, I, who really, com- this one here really completes me. Right. Right. It's idolatry. Maybe it's idolatry. A lot of people do that though. That's not an uncommon no, scenario. No, fix this problem. Um, you don't want to know my answer, but go say ahead. It, say it. No, go ahead. Say it. I want to say hear your answer. Me. I don't think, I don't th- think you me. want to hear my theonomic. Take them two, out to the three. town square. Arrange death marriages. penalty. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Stoning. <laughs> oh, arrange, oh. I am an arranged marriage kind of guy. <laughs> so you're talking about All I know is there be a lot less adultery yes. to avoid all that. Right. If we stone them out in public, there'd be a whole lot less fooling so, around. I actually, um, within like... Uh, premarital counseling we'll mention that like you can and you will make this work like by by giving effort giving yourself like it's sacrifice I mean like literally you know as much as like we can like laugh and make jokes like like that's every bit of the Christian life and I think it's when we don't understand that there's sacrifice in things uh, because of him who saved us then we begin to idolize other things especially created things for our good and his glory like, yep. so we take what he meant for good and, like, we twist it and perverse it for our own pleasure and end up not getting the, the most joy out of it, too. Like, the most joyful marriages are going to be the sacrificial ones where we're laying down our life every day for the other person. Um, but the other ones, they may be um, a little bit more flashy, um, may look, you know, sexy at times. It's like you're not going to get every bit out of it. No, it's like cutting an orange in half and mm. walking away with half the orange. It's like no, yeah. whole I think kids, orange is the most juicy. Kids right. is a right. similar. Could've that's a, that's like the next step of idolatry, is is kids, and then you've got a situation where a lot of times, the kid is idol is basically the concept of having this kid. It's like this this kid or these kids they complete me. They make yes. me whole. Instead of God, and then you're looking then, to them for your hope, and your happiness, significance. Exactly, that's their first that's description on Facebook. Major, Father, yeah, that, or right, right. That and so that can create all kinds of problems. I used to tell people, I still do tell people. When I was a kid, 
Like back in the day. <laughs> back in nineteen thirty-three. Nineteen. In my 19th. generation, I'm not kidding. Gen X. Bummers. Our parent, no, Gen X. Gen X. Thank you. It's a thin line there. Um, our Close. parents loved us. Okay. But they weren't in love with us, okay? Mm, that's, a good, that's a good way to put it, actually. <laughs> like, th- there is definitely a distinction now in the way kids are idol. Uh, uh, there it becomes idolatry, where and that has real world like rant, immediate rant, societal ramifications mm. because the kids oftentimes are sheltered to the point where they don't know how to survive. They don't know how to. They do not know how to get like they have been. Because they're almost like little gods in the home, right. they don't know how to function in society. Either they're super bratty and nobody likes them. Yeah. Jordan Peterson, who's not a Christian, I don't know if you ever listen or read any of his stuff, yeah. but he talks about like, do not let your kids do anything that you can't stand. Yeah. Like, don't right. do, because if you do that, then that they're going to assume that, that likes society that. likes that. And yeah. guess what? You're not always sweet, and you're not always right and you're not always justified that's why you have more than one kid yeah because you see. if you have one kid they often are spoiled just mm-hmm. saying so if feasible and and to the point you were, we were talking about sports earlier like with your kids and like not not getting them into like the zone of um idolizing these sports that they're participating in um the other sense of even with the sports world is you're making your children an idol when you're willing to bend over backward uh, for their schedule and not for your worship to God. Right. Um, like literally you're missing Sunday morning. Now, now don't get me wrong. Like Pastor Gary experiences too. There are times and I think like maybe even like a month season where it's like, hey, that this is the only option to participate right now. It's and, tough. and I do, you're trying to find that balance of like, well, you don't want your kid like to grow up remembering like I didn't get to play one sport because the one sport was on Sundays, but only for five weeks. I'm talking about those who, for all four seasons, have a sport sign up, and they're all on Sunday, and you'll bend over backward for that, and and never. It, what what happens is you're actually hurting yourself and your worship and, and your happiness and, and is starting teaching to go them. This is hard, and I'm preaching to myself, and this you guys are gonna have to hold me accountable to this because it it's crazy how everything now has to be on Sundays. Not only on Sundays. I didn't mean to throw you under, by the way. No, no, it's true though. It's yeah. I struggle with this trying to figure out what's the right balance. If there is such a, maybe somebody would get on here and say, there is no balance. You don't miss church, period, and that's it. And I can't argue with that. That's hard to, like, I'm not going to say you're wrong if you think that. Um, but the, everything now, it seems like in sports, it can't be on Sunday afternoons. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's got to be Sunday at 9 o'clock. That's intentional. Like, what the heck? Why in the world does it have to be Sunday morning? Um what you want to definitely make sure it is not happening is you giving the kid impression that church is optional and if it fits in your schedule, you go. And if you don't, if something else more important is going on, then God understands and it's okay. Um, at, at that point, you're taking a good thing and you're elevating it to a godlike endeavor. Like this is more important than the gathering of God's people on Sundays which he commands us to do. Mm-hmm. So you see what I, it's like? It's always a good thing that then supplants God's law, God's ways, God, your relationship with God. You, you have the oldest kid here. I yeah. mean, have you experienced this? Um, to an extent, I feel like there's, there's almost like a, 
a social pressure in certain instances where mm -hmm. uh, if you don't push and you don't make sure that your kid is doing all the stuff, then it, it's almost frowned upon by other people that are involved in it too, which, which is a, 100%. A, a strange way to perceive it because they shouldn't care what you're doing. But in the same sense then too, if you have a child that's more athletic, like none of my kids are going to be pro ball players. I, I love them all. Right. I bless them, but it's just not a thing. But if you do have a kid that's more athletically inclined, there's more pressure from the schools, from all the other parents and everything. Coaches. And then that kid gets, I, I don't, for lack of a better term, but like LeBron James syndrome, where he is he's the best thing that's yes. available and everybody keeps pushing and pushing. And then it does. Like that becomes life. That, that becomes life. And it's a really weird way to go from the good thing, like you said, right. to be slow into that's all that matters. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, so social, social uh, cultures here are very very uh, pushy. Yeah, no doubt. LeBron James is the best, by the way. And the worst, all at the same time. <laughs> yes. He's not you get, the best. You get evil eyes from me and Gary. He's not the best. I would take Michael he, Jordan over LeBron James every day of the week in their prime. If anyway. he didn't talk so much about politics, I'd probably like him a lot more. So, um, <laughs> so... I want to take a second to um, share with you guys an awesome resource that's coming out on April 19th. You can go and pre-order it. I will put a link in the bio here. Um, but there's a great book series, Rule Church Voices, um, getting ready to come out. And there's a couple books in this series that will be dropping on April 19th. And that is Rule, uh, Mission, and Old Time Religion. Old Time Religion is written by <clears throat> a member at New Heights Church. And... Rural Mission is written by the lead pastor um, of New Heights Church, uh, Will Basham. So uh, they church together, and they are one of our sponsoring churches, actually our, our mama church, if you want to get down to it. Um, and we're really excited about that, and that'll be a great resource for anybody who lives in a rural church setting and you want to see the kingdom advance in uh, the rural areas. A lot of times uh, you'll, you'll notice books are written and catered to um, the urban setting, which is okay. It's fine and dandy, but this will be a great resource for you who live in the rural context. So uh, we will be doing a giveaway here soon, so be on the lookout for that um, and giving away a copy of each of those books. We're going to transition here to question 18 uh, that asks, will God allow our disobedience and idolatry to go unpunished? The answer is no. Every sin is against the sovereignty, holiness, and goodness of God and against his righteous law. And God is righteously angry with our sins and will punish them in his just judgment, both in this life and in the life to come. Um, how do we find a balance there? We, we know that... Um, Everything will be exposed. Um, does that mean that the, the Christian is going to be judged eternally, like damned, separated from the Father, because maybe they had a lack of judgment, fell into some idolatry? In God's grace for his people, yeah. he is an idol smasher. Mm -hmm. And he'll smash them. He'll just, you know, he'll bring it to your attention. He'll, he'll, he'll convict you. You'll see it. You'll have a brother or sister in the church say something to you about it. And you'll acknowledge, oh, yeah, you're right. And then it doesn't happen. You still continue to idolize this thing. And God in his grace will take it from you. Mm -hmm. He will smash it. And when that happens, that's when we get devastated and we're so mm -hmm. upset that we lost this job or, or, or whatever, 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 however he addresses it. But he will, and it's, it's painful because you're worshiping this thing essentially. Um, in his grace, he will, though, deal with that. He will not, he will have no other God before him. And that is part of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So 
when you begin to sense this thing, he will begin to dig into your heart as you walk with him and reveal these things, confess them and let go. Or he'll just pry your hands off it. I'd, I'd say a lot of professing Christians would say they would just apply the, the term forgiveness. God is forgiving. And many of, you know, some of them have heard and understand that God's justice, like we talk about in the men's study, it, it can't, you can't satisfy it apart from God's work in, in the cross. And when you properly understand the work that Christ came to do in his active and passive obedience, then there's the punishment has been measured out either in Christ or on the sinner eternally. So I think, I think that, in hell. I think, the, I, yeah, in hell, that's right. And the answer revolves around that concept for us that no, God punished his own pure, spotless, sinless son of God. Um, and, and we think we're going to get, and he didn't do anything wrong. And we think we're going to get away with X, Y, and Z. No, um, the sin will be atoned. It will be dealt with either at the cross or, or in hell. Apostle John in 1 John 5, 21 just says, mm. little children, keep yourselves from idols. So obviously this is an issue even for Christians where, you know, he's addressing us as little children. <clears throat> keep yourself from idols. So be aware, John Calvin said that our heart by default is a factory of idols. It's an idol factory. We are, we are prone to doing this so be aware of it. Like, think in those terms. Like, am I truly idolizing this thing? Is it, Am I looking to whatever this is? What It could be a billion different things. Whatever it is, am I, really, am I looking at this as my hope? That if I don't have this, I have no hope. If I don't, if I don't attain this, I will, I'm not complete. I'm not okay. Something, um, I'll never be satisfied if I don't have this thing. Realize that that's... We're going to fall into idolatry. The Apostle John says, keep yourself from it. So be aware of it. And that's part of Christian, um, the discipline of the Christian life is to be aware of things that are going to stand in the way of your worship, stand in the way of realizing that Jesus is my Savior. He is my only Savior. He is the only hope that I have. And he is the only true hope that I have. Mm -hmm. And anything else is idolatry. And the, yeah. way, the way we do that is... Is stated in the verse, verse before that, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us, given us an understanding that we know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. And I've heard it said that First John is like a spiral staircase and each of these major themes are the pillars. And as you go up, as you go up the spiral staircase, there's Christ on the throne at the top of it all. And what we want to do with idols is rip him off and say, I'm going to put this in his yeah. place. But he is to be seated on the throne of our hearts predominantly. And that's the cure to idolatry, essentially. Yeah, it is. It's, I, John Piper has made this comment, too, where it's like, where, where does God want me to go? Where, where, what is the, what's the end game of sanctification? And oftentimes we can kind of think of it in terms of, Okay, when I'm becoming sanctified, it's like I got this checklist. These things I'm doing, these things over here I'm not doing, now I'm sanctified. And there is some element of truth to that. There's his law says do these things, don't do these things, right? So I'm not saying that there's no um, there's no standards, but the end game of sanctification is getting to the point where we truly in our hearts, deep down, believe Jesus is enough. That's where he wants us to get. That's mm -hmm. 
So all of life, of what he's developing, why we go to church, why we're reading our Bible, why are we praying, why are we doing these things, is because the Spirit is leading and guiding us, developing us, growing us, mortifying our sin, you know, um, strengthening our, our new man to the point where we will begin to say, Jesus is enough. Right. Yeah, I want to jump back to kind of like the first question, but talking about uh, some things we idolize. I'm curious, Mark, as I like look at you and how you could like just choke me out in a couple seconds. Uh, makes me think of the gym. How many guys like do you recognize? Do you see a thing there like with some of the guys at the gym? They idolize, you know, fitness or like this image. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And maybe you know we talked about how like <clears throat> sex sells and everything. Like I, I think like sex appeal obviously has to do with that and like being this right. image and trying to attain this image so that you can receive these things. Um, I feel like I. I the few times I've been to the gym, you know, a handful of times. You've been in uh, here when he was a teenager. Uh, yeah. Um, Coach you know, made him go in the I gym. I had an Uncle Jim uh, give him wet willies all the time, and that was like <laughs> being in his ear. I was in the gym. Um, <laughs> Mark, he's right. from West Virginia. You are, oh, for, you are one for two now. <laughs> one for two. From the beginning, you're getting it right, and that joke puts you down to it puts me one down. for two. You got time to make so, up for it. Though. That, that wasn't yeah, a joke. So you tell me about your experience in the gym. Yeah, so I, I want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, and we talked about a balance earlier that really, it's you can't necessarily look at someone and say you are an idolater in X, Y, or Z, right? Because you really don't know their hearts, right? You don't know their schedules. There are, but there there are some people not just because they spend five to eight hours at the gym, Jeez. but you can tell they're looking. I mean, they are, they are ripped, and they are constantly looking in the mirror. And again, that's fine. If someone wants to look in the mirror, I'm not going to judge I like them. how you grabbed your shirt. But, it's but, like totally like yeah, looking at it. I would not, I would not be one of those people. Is the mirror belly gone? But, but you know, they're just constantly comparing. Yeah. And, and the way that they're, they care about how people look at them more than anything. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're working on their physique. So it's definitely a problem. It's a problem for men in that they want to get big and ripped. And it's a problem for women that they want to be toned and firm. And... It's it's uh for, it, obsessively it's obsessively yeah I mean they really if they are not a certain way like on the cover of magazine they are just disappointed with life they yeah. are not complete with not, fitness when you're dealing with that like every god the true god and every false god demands that you give your life even to the point of death right, right. I mean we are called to lay down our lives as martyrs if need be like that's dead serious we don't understand it in America but like that's <laughs> come follow me and die is what the call of Jesus. When, when you're starting to do things that you know are literally killing you, but you are obsessed with achieving a certain look or a certain whatever, like that that's, you see that in fitness, yeah. where you darn well know you're jacking yourself up with horse uh, steroids. And I mean, you, I, you listen to, uh, I listen to, I grew up love and pro wrestling, and I, there's podcasts now of old guys talking about what was going on behind the scenes, right? Which is interesting to someone like me to like what was behind the curtain, what was really going on. And you listen to these guys, man, and talk about the steroids and the stuff mm -hmm. that they were doing. And even though we know far more now than they knew then, they knew that wasn't good. Like mm -hmm. they knew enough to know, they didn't care. Nothing was more important. They would, if it was gonna cost them 20 years of their life, mm -hmm. they would do it. Yep. You're gonna die when you're 50 instead of when you're 70 or 80. Sign me up, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. If I can achieve this, that's idolatry. Yeah. And there's almost a, go ahead. So not to steer the boat in the wrong direction either, but that almost sounds akin to addiction for me, mm -hmm. uh, to a certain extent. I wonder, like, I know kids get addicted to playing Fortnite. Mm -hmm. I've seen mm -hmm. it, you know, things like that. Does, does that 
pressure and into an idolatry situation as for well. sure. Yeah, and especially yeah for in a kid. I mean, adults play games more you know than used to. Yeah. I'm looking. Why do you look you, at me? Are you a gamer? Ben literally I'm, just said he spent all night playing games. games. You look at me. When I'm in the bathroom and I'm on the couch sometimes really at night. Really when Age of Empires or something. No, or? it's called Archero. Great game. It's very simple. Gary just plays Candy Crush. <laughs> I play solitaire. Solitaire. I love solitaire. But I guess I, I hope that wasn't play, a joke. Are you trolling? Do you play bridge with the old people? Sick at the of home? getting trolled. <laughs> the only game I ever really like playing is, is euchre. I like playing euchre. But is there a point where I guess like technology, for sure though? Like I, I mm. deleted all my social media because I just I was looking at it too much and I was getting angry at everybody. Uh, but I feel like there's a lot of people that are always on their phone, always mm. reading what other people are doing, and like right. as a, yes. you know, like keeping up with the Joneses. Sort that's of thing. a great that's example a, of what's probably, going on. Yeah, also, a great thing, um, a great thing that like we can take and, and idolize. But it actually goes been to a point that like I think is important to note, and we've talked about it here. Like, why are you posting what you post? And maybe you're sitting here and like I, I literally just post about my family. I'm not talking to you. There are people who like are. Building this, we may image. be talking to them and, though. Why do you post even if it's just no, your maybe. family? But like, if you're like just wondering, like, then you probably don't know. But there are people, and this is a conscious thing like, people consciously like take certain selfies and they take um, certain photos and make it seem like they're just in the metro parks, but they make it seem like they're like in the hillside of Italy. They're I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you're not abroad, you're like, you're up there in Cleveland at uh, the Rocky River Reservation. So, but it also goes to. So I, I want to tie it all in together. We were talking about marriage earlier. Um, a lot of people will see someone that could be their significant other, but they have issues, and what they want to do is save them. They're a Christian, and they see someone who's not a believer. And what you're doing is you're building yourself as an idol. You may not know it, but you are making yourself their savior. Therefore, you are creating yourself as an idol in their life. And the same thing with, with Facebook is <clears throat> in a different intention. So like believer or not you start posting photos like you're in the metro parks make it look like italy or you're like it's almost like you're rubbing it in people's face yeah and there's an extent where you're but no one knows you're in debt like one hundred fifty thousand right. dollars because you keep taking all these trips but you're building up this image and people are idolizing you becoming hurt there's or, actually a great movie um keeping with the joneses there might be a couple i saw of them. that that was really that good. was sick yeah it yeah. was awesome because like they were david company yeah i think so yeah the one guy ends up like in it himself, right? Yeah, he okay. goes in right, his yeah, new lawnmower in the pool. Yeah. The yeah. Pool. yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're on the same movie. Yeah. And that like hit me as like, this is one of my favorite movies. Um, it really is because like it speaks mm. volumes to our culture. That's our culture, for um, sure. And take it from me, like Aubrey and I, like we, we do partnerships with businesses all the time, collaborations. We're known as like influencers in some like realms because of that. But like, on a bigger scale, some of you like may have influences, like you're an influencer for like these big trips and you're putting on all these scenes and it's making people feel like they've got to keep up. Mm. Um, right. So like, it's great to be able to travel abroad and do these things, but like, why are you doing it and what are you sharing? And for? remember that on the other side, when you're flipping through and you see that stuff, I mean, it's nice that they're on a nice trip or that they've got, you know, a nice And don't assume that they're in debt. Like, oh, don't, you know, don't assume anything yeah. other than compensating. Right, other right. than they're showing us something positive yeah. that's good, but there is a bigger picture here. And, and I think if we had to categorize idolatry, if you were to ask a Christian who is used to confessing their sin, one of the categories would be the bad things they do, the addictions mm -hmm. that they have. And I think every Christian can think of something they're like, top of mind, like, yep, this is my problem, fill right. in the blank. And then the other sin. one is sins we're not aware of, like Facebook. 
where it's just self-glorification, selfies and reputation. Yes. And it, the problem with that is that, like you said, nobody knows you're in debt or you have a mirror, mirror. Like I've seen people post, I've known people who've posted beach pictures of them and their spouse and everybody's jealous. They're commenting and they're like, yeah, we had gotten a fight for four hours before and right. after that picture. And it's just not reality. It's, right. it's image yep. more than anything. Yep. But we, we're an idolatrous people. And so we will do that. And then you look at Wally sitting there on the couch. You know what I mean? And you're like, well, he never takes me this. He never does. It's, I, yes. it, it, it spins out of control um, because we're putting these images. But what makes it harder is like, I'm old enough to remember before social media. And like, so you would see like, you know, there was uh, Robin Leach with the lifestyles of the rich and famous. And he's, uh, you, you would see this kind of stuff and it did lend itself to feeling jealousy, but it did, it kind of seemed like out of reach, like unrealistic and that kind of thing. But now with social media, these are people I went to school with, these people I go to church with, like they're, and, and so it can, it, I feel like it enhances, that's why so many people are depressed and so many, um, so many people are like unhappy because they're associating this like well that's not robin leach talking to the guy from uh you know from that's not michael jackson that they're looking at here this is the guy i went to school with or the girl i went to school with and then we're because we have these idols it's being exasperated now mm -hmm. yeah. it's being it's almost being said yeah this idol that you have is attainable and it, you can have it and you don't have it and you're not okay until you do have it right and i would say uh to you who if you're a poster or whatever and you're like posting for the good like right reasons you're staying in touch with family you're showing them stuff please don't take this in any offense um you're probably not dealing with that problem but um also to the person who like looks at every family and like gets uh jealous and um you you begin to covet delete facebook yeah, um, it's not helping. yeah no and, and just go do life with people um that's not the easiest thing to hear um and it's not going to solve your problem right away but um definitely uh, understand that every person who takes a picture, whether or not they admit it and they look happy on the beach, they've got their problems. We all For have sure. our problems. Um, anything you guys want to wrap it up with? Yeah, Any I, every every time I think about idolatry, I always think of 1 Samuel 15, 23, mm. that uh, when, when Saul was told to go wipe out the Amalekites, he keeps the king alive, he keeps the bleeding sheep, Samuel comes over, he's like, hey, pretty simple command, dude. Like, what's going on? I told you to wipe everything out wipe out the idolaters and he, he hears the bleeding of the sheep and he tells he tells Saul rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as idolatry and let's see this trans let me switch here yeah which is uh yeah uh da, 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 sorry different translation go to the message yeah for okay so rebellion is as the sin of divination or witchcraft and insubordination is as the iniquity as, as iniquity and idolatry um, and and there are consequences uh, to that and Saul was sorry too but I think that's something I looked up that word stubbornness or insubordination it means to peck stun be dull press urge it's just ignoring God's word yeah just completely God has been very clear about his word to Saul and he did what he thought was right in his eyes right. which set a pattern for the kings in the book of Judges and that's us. We're all idolaters. That's the other category of kind of like, it doesn't seem that bad. It's socially acceptable, um, but stubbornness, insubordination. The American dream is an idol. Yeah. In and of itself. Yeah. Remember, Boom. last year we studied um, at the church, we, we went through the book of Jonah. Remember Jonah chapter 2, verse 8. 
Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Mm. You cannot have both. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and stead of their hope of steadfast love. So what you are longing for, and we're speaking primarily to Christians, I guess, but really in some ways to all people, you will not find in those idols. They are dead. They are vain. They're not real. Yeah, it's a lie. And you're chasing after these things. And when you do that, you are forsaking true hope and the steadfast love of God, which is all satisfying. That's and right. that's our that's the message of the gospel. If you, I mean, the message of the gospel is that the grace and the mercy and the love and the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ is all satisfying. You do not have to continue to chase and run and, and fight and struggle to find hope and to find steadfast love. It's there, but it's only found in one place, and it's in Jesus Christ. And the good news to you is that it's available to all those who believe, all those who truly trust. And so as Christians, what you're finding, that's why we always say you never move past the gospel, ever. Because we are constantly dealing with this issue of looking for hope of steadfast love and other things. When you do that, friend, you're forsaking it. And to tack onto that, I would say, I've quoted this from Piper before, but if you, if you could go to heaven and have everything you want, your friends, your health, pure bliss, happiness, but everything you've ever wanted, the full satisfaction of your soul, but God wasn't there, would you go there? That's, I think that is indicative of the, the, the unbeliever's heart who would go there without God. But the flip side of that is if you could go in, so to speak, not literally, but to the pits of hell in misery and suffering, but God was there, would you go there? That, right. That's a good distinction between an idolatrous heart and a faithful heart to Yahweh. Right. Mm. We hope that this podcast helped you to put Jesus in the perspective. If you have any questions about this episode or about a relationship with Jesus, please email us at engage at newhilloh.com, and we'll reach out to you or answer your questions through blogging, podcasting, or reaching out to you if it calls for that. All right, church, go out and honor God in all that you do. Observe the things he's commanded. Provide to the needs of others and extend the offer that's been extended to you. Peace. Boom. Boom. God bless.